0: is BTS with CTV, behind the scenes, behind the stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver newsroom. My name is Penny Daflos and I'll be your guide behind the curtain, which takes us through the smoke to Vancouver's most notorious public event. Where several thousand people are expected to descend on Sunset Beach today for the annual 420 Marijuana Rally. Well, it's a protest against Prohibition and a celebration of the cannabis culture. And while tens of thousands of partygoers from the Metro Vancouver region got lit up...
1: everybody. Seems to be having a kick-ass time.
0: Some local residents were angry at the park space taken up by the cloud of smoke and hundreds of vendors defiantly joining the unsanctioned event.
1: I think it's an absolute disgrace. I don't necessarily think it's a disgrace for the people who are hustling, because that's all they are. They're all hustling. But I think our city government is a disgrace.
0: With a crowd that huge, Vancouver police and civic officials observed, but didn't intervene.
1: The mob decides to ignore the Park Sports rules, city rules.
0: We're fortunate here in Vancouver that we have police who are very tolerant. Nobody fears arrest. But this is all still illegal.
2: And it will still be illegal under the federal legislation. And this year there are heightened concerns about young
0: people. Thousands of high school students have the day off today. Our CTV cameras were there as young people tried to get their hands on some green. Do you have ID? Oh, yeah, I do. 18-year-old Jordan Fraser from Coquitlam just got carded trying to buy a bud. Of
2: course, selling pot to minors is just one of many concerns around the 420 event. Taxpayers will also be on the hook for some of the cost.
0: And once again, thousands of dollars in damage to park turf. But this year, a new promise from organizers.
1: This year, for the first time, we're actually going to cover all the city and park board costs except for policing.
0: Despite a growing commercialization and Sophistication in the event's 24th year, the explosion in popularity of marijuana edibles sent dozens to hospital, an issue year after year. Most
1: common is what we refer to as a green-out. It's just simply somebody who's overdone it with marijuana.
0: It was in this climate where our CTV crews were sent to observe and report I was there, as was reporter Ben Milger and videographer Sean Foss. Thanks for joining us on BTS.
2: My pleasure. That's oh, my first time. I'm really happy to be here.
0: So, Ben, let's start with you because you started out the day at 4.20 as the setup was going on and there's, things were getting ramped up. What was the atmosphere like as it kind of changed throughout the day?
2: Well, very early in the morning, there was a lot of excitement among the vendors who were coming in, uh, particularly among those who didn't pay money to reserve a spot to, to as the sun was coming up and they saw that there was space. Base on the beach uh, where they could set up their tent. They didn't have to pay for it. Uh, and they didn't really know whether or not they were going to have a place. Uh, they were very excited. Uh, and then as the vendors who paid came in, we saw it, it was a lot more commercial. There were a lot more companies, a lot more corporations. They had teams dropping off furniture, big glass display cases. Uh, and it was more uh, like a, almost like a day at the office. Not that those people weren't also excited about the event, but they were really coordinating and working in teams uh, because it did have a much more corporate feel to it Uh, and then we also had the people who live in the neighborhood uh, whether they were out running uh, early in the morning or taking their dogs out before they went to work Uh, and many of them came by and shared their opinions on the gathering at the beach And by and large, the opinion of people who live nearby to the location at Sunset Beach where this took place were very opposed to what they were seeing with all of these people moving uh, uh, things in. They were concerned about the condition of the field. uh, And they just didn't necessarily want to invite 40,000 people into their neighbourhood for an unsanctioned
0: event. And I think that's an important point to make because while... The proponents of this event are very vocal. Uh, they, they make some excellent points about uh, legalization and their rights to use the park and stuff. There is another side to that story. And it's not that we necessarily have to give equal time or, you know, sometimes it can be complicated how much time you give to each side. But it is important to give those different voices a, a platform because they may just be some guy walking his dog down the street and maybe it's just one person upset. But he has every right to say that as much as the 40,000 go on there to party.
2: Absolutely, uh, and and people weren't shy about utilizing their right to express themselves. Uh, many people came up and asked whether or not we would interview them because they wanted the, the 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 word out there that that this is essentially their backyard. They put up with a lot of events throughout the year. Uh, a common refrain we heard was, "You know, we have the fireworks, uh, we have the pride parade, we have a number of other events that take over our community, but those are all sanctioned, and so they can live with that." The fact that uh, people just set up there for four twenty and and disregarded the fact that they didn't have permits uh that was a real sticking point for people in the neighborhood uh if the event was sanctioned they they may have held their tongues a little bit more i felt uh but the fact that it was sort of anyone could come up and come and set up and 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 feel like they could get away with or do whatever they wanted it, it it really uh bothers people who live down there
0: Oh, and they didn't just disregard the fact that it wasn't sanctioned. They were flaunting it. They, they really didn't care. And I think that that's, it's important to get that out as well because for some people, they love that act of defiance and they're all on board with people uh, you know, doing something against the status quo, but other people aren't. So trying to find that balance, again, can be a bit of a challenge.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And in regards to the the sort of outlaw attitude of some of the people setting up there, I heard uh, uh, time and again that this is a protest. Um, but what we've seen is that it has taken on a much more of a festival atmosphere in the last few years. And people are promoting their companies in, uh, in major ways, like you would see at any uh, mainstream music festival uh, or something like that. So it, it's really... Difficult to strike a balance, I think, for uh, whether or not this is a protest uh, or if it's become more than that—a uh, marketing opportunity for for big corporations. You got your joints. We're gonna spark up all at the same time. Four, three,
0: two, one. So Ben, how did you find the attitude? Then you'd mentioned earlier that there were uh, the shall we say, more homegrown grassroots people, if you will, that were there for the free tables, and, and they had a, perhaps a more relaxed attitude towards the whole thing. And then the people who were more corporate, did you find the grassroots folks a little more uh, willing to be on camera, or did you find everybody was just happy to promote uh, what they were doing there? Uh,
2: well, the grassroots folks were certainly uh, happy about the opportunity to, to have a little bit of media attention, because everything about the day was very exciting for them. Um, a couple of the people I spoke to had been in the, the cannabis business for a few years, as sort of minor players, uh, but hadn't t- t- gone to-, to set up at 4.20 before. So uh, they were excited to find a spot. They were excited to have people from the media approach them and ask them about their products.
1: Take a look at the uh, Cookie Monster-infused cupcakes on there with the Bloodshot Eyes that have much talk in them. Very much fun. Uh, Getting very high.
2: Um, on the more corporate side, people were happy to display the products, to allow uh, cameras to to take uh, uh, visuals of whatever they had on display. When it came time to for who was going to do an interview, there's uh, something we see a lot, actually, regardless of the story we're doing. When there's a group of people, there's a lot of finger-pointing. Oh, he'll do it. No, she'll do it. Um, uh, and eventually, uh, they would probably, for the most part, defer to uh, a manager, or I mean, because this is the corporate structure that they have. Oh, let me get my boss, which is much different than the people who sat up on the beach, uh, where it was... They are their own bosses, essentially.
0: And I think the difference is because I was there later in the day because we wanted to see, you know, as things were really ramping up. Uh, by the time I got there, afternoon, uh, even the corporate people, they were falling over themselves to talk to us, but they were also pretty well into their product by this point. So there was a real enthusiasm, and nobody was hesitating to go on camera, even though it's technically not legal yet. Uh, there was no hesitation, and there was actually a lot of enthusiasm to, to tell us what they're all about. Happy 420,
1: everyone. Welcome. We're in Vancouver five We got bluefin tuna. It's our got signature strain grown in Sunshine Coast.
0: And we've what de- makes it special?
1: Um, we've been developing it for 10 years so like we only focus on this one strain. And we've awesome. developed it to the point where we've mastered it. Okay, so,
0: so this is a really strong strain of bud, is what yeah, you're telling it's a very me. Strong it's strain of bud, and the opposite, little... my second favorite,
2: is a purple G code, also grown on the island from a different grower. And this one is very lovely. If you take a look, it's oh, completely purple. So Vancouver. When you cut the cut the flower, it's completely purple, and it has what you don't notice a lot in these days, a lot of th- uh, a lot of red hairs. And these red hairs give a really nice flavor. Super lovely.
0: Now, Sean, what is it like from a camera operator's perspective to be down at Fort because you got a big piece of gear there. Uh, while a lot of people are really open about what they're doing, some people don't want to be on camera. What's it like for you trying to document an event like that?
1: Well, just moving through the crowds with your equipment and your tripod can be uh, frustrating and a little daunting. People don't want to necessarily have their picture taken so they they can be a little bit cranky with you. But the type of story that, that we were working on sort of relied on people doing something that they weren't supposed to be doing. And so when they realize that this big camera is there and you're standing right there, they're obviously not going to do things that they're not supposed to be doing.
0: So you and David Mochel, your assignment for the day, uh, I was assigned to just cover the entire event, what the cost would be, you know, clean up, all sorts of stuff like that. But you guys had a very specific focus trying to find young people accessing marijuana, being able to buy it uh, despite signs to the contrary. You're asking for ID? No. Oh, you're not? No, I can visually see that you're 18 or over. Okay. You heard her right. She's eyeballing, not carting. And it doesn't take long for our cameras to capture an ID-free sale to what looks like a high schooler. What was the response from them when you tried to approach them and talk to them about the story, the teenagers?
1: Yeah, it was was tough. We did actually find one kid that was talking to the different vendors, and he was willing to come up and talk to us. He was 18 years old. He was on a PD day that day. And he was willing to say, yeah, you know, I think that, you know, 19 is a fair age, you know, to, to be able to buy, you know, marijuana from these vendors. But he was there to, to buy, you know. And, and he was, it was what, it 17, was 18? He was 18. He agreed with the rules, but at the same time, he was there for, you know, other purposes. And when it came to the vendors, you know, the vendors were all about, you know, had the signs. Some looked like they were sort of makeshift, you know, a, written on a napkin in, in <laughs> Sharpie. No miners, you know, must be 19, must have valid ID. For the optics of it, they wanted it to seem that the, that was what they were in favor of. But I don't think that that was actually what they were in favor of. I think they were willing to sell to pretty much anybody who had money in their, in their hand.
0: Well, and some of them, like you say, are more scrupulous. They're the more professional ones that have dispensaries and stuff. But the people making cupcakes with a whole bunch of THC loaded into them that, like you say, there's, you know, probably cooking it in their kitchen and stuff. There's a, a different level of responsibility there compared to the people who are trying to run a business long term.
2: Right away, we say,
0: are you old enough? Because you can tell. And what do you tell 16 and 17 year olds? Um, that they should they need to actually wait.
1: The challenge was to to try and get them to do that, but you couldn't do it by just shooting it. So I had to be long lens. Um, For a lot of it, I was like on the beach side, sort of behind, trying to... You know, just basically spying on people long lens to see what they were doing.
0: And so, for people not familiar with the terminology, you'd be set up on a tripod and zoomed right in. That's what we mean by long lens work. That's you right, you yeah. got to be at a distance.
1: Yes, yeah, like on a long way away. So that otherwise, I mean, the cameras are quite large, so it's not like you you can be close up and pointing a camera in the direction. Because especially at something like that, people are sort of more higher. Um, higher alert sort of thing and they, they don't want to be on camera so you really have to be a long way away to to really actually get the shots that you're looking to get
0: And that's hard to do cuz people are it's a it's a dense environment it's not easy to get those and even we were uh, Gary Barnt and I were on you know look, just looking for stuff in general and I could see young people a couple some of them got turned away but others didn't but the moment you turn the camera it's so big they can see that right away it's just such a tough assignment to try to pull off I think they're going to smell this and the rest of Vancouver is going to get a whiff of how pretty- we are here So Ben one thing that people are people were tweeting at me people always ask me. Uh, Do you get a contact high? Isn't that the funnest thing to cover and all the rest of it? And like for me, I find it extremely unpleasant. The smell is awful. You go back to work stinking. I, you know, get a headache from the smell. It's, I find it really unpleasant personally. I've also covered this event probably too many times, Uh, but just uh, your impressions as well, because you've covered this event before, but uh, this was a real immersion for you as well.
2: Yeah, um, and both times that I've uh, covered this event, um, I was the early morning reporter. So that's a a 4 a.m. start and I'm usually on site there, just before six, uh, so it's not the same level, uh, uh, the same number of people, in the same level of crowds that you see later in the afternoon. Uh, I'm out of there by twelve thirty, so you do see people smoking marijuana. You do smell the smoke, uh, but it's not the same as being in the middle of a mob where thousands of people are lighting up all at the same time. Uh, so I didn't really notice uh, as I was leaving uh, this year or the previous year that I covered it um, that I
1: might have been under the influence from simply being in the. Being there with all that smoke and stuff, when I finally got home at the end of the day, I was just had a terrible headache. I don't know, I just sort of felt like this. It's just hard work, and it it seems like to shoot something like a festival, or not, it's almost like a festival sort of atmosphere, but. To, to go there and do it for work is not the same as going wandering around as just like an average person because for one thing you have to be there for long periods of time and you have to it's not as fun as it might seem
0: well and that's people ask me all the time they're like oh free samples fun day blah blah you know as a journalist it's interesting seeing the different people that are there and seeing the mix of seniors and people with disabilities and 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 young people and entrepreneurs yeah. and you know it can be interesting but I find the smell nauseating. Mm-hmm. I hate coming back to work to write my story and reeking of marijuana. Yeah. Um, and it, it is really tiring because you're there. You've got your new sense on. You're constantly looking for, for people to talk to. You've got a certain mentality. You're not just there people watching. It's not... Same thing. Right. It's stuff like the Celebration of Light. Those those are interesting events to cover as well. But we're not there just as observers. Like, we're working and it's yeah. a really focused kind of thing.
1: And it's exhausting. Yeah, it, it, Like, it to... Constantly be moving through and and through crowds and pushing people and people don't care, like people don't go oh cameras coming through and they they, uh, they, they step back and leave it to they don't care you're actually in their way and and uh, it's just it's exhausting it's hard work and yeah as I said you know even at the the end of that after the four twenty when you know their idea is to make this giant cloud of smoke you know as you know the. The um, punctuation sort of thing for their for their their protest or whatever. At the end, I just felt awful. It's just it's not fun. It it's stinky and it's it's just exhausting. <laughs> but I still I guess it still beats working for a living. But it's just you know.
0: <laughs> That's the cameraman mantra. Sure beats working for a living. Exactly. This should not be a special occasion.
1: We should be able to use cannabis openly and freely. These kind of events should be your regular thing!
0: surprised you or made a real impression on you covering the event this year uh
2: one thing that i didn't expect uh which i saw this year uh is that uh, some of the people that were set up on the beach were also selling products with uh, hallucinogenic mushrooms in them Uh, and that was something that i had not seen in the previous year at uh, the beach when i covered it or other times at the art gallery Uh, and it made me wonder uh what is uh, as we talk about the future of this event uh and where it goes uh uh, are there other products that people are, are going to be upset are still criminalized? Uh, and attempt to, to to bring those into it, to, so that after legalization, the event still has that uh, that protest feel because they they're they're working on on getting different products uh, legislated through the government. And I don't I don't I hadn't spoken to anybody that said that's happening, uh, but I saw at least half a dozen different vendors offering. Uh, uh, mushroom products.
0: Interesting. And this year, I took it upon myself to learn more about edibles because last year there was such a proliferation and I really didn't know much about it. So the day before 420, I did a story, just an education piece about how many doses in a brownie or, you know, a potency because a lot of people were overdosing and getting into trouble. And... When we got to the event, I was really struck by how strong some of those edibles are. 100 milligrams of THC in a mini cupcake, couple hundred, 300 in a chocolate bar, and the serving sizes compared to how messed up you're going to get on that stuff really surprised me. And the more home cooks that we see there, which every year there seems to be, you know, triple the tables selling brownies and cupcakes and muffins and all the rest of it, I was stunned by how many people are getting in on the edibles and also how extremely strong they are because if you look at the recommended dose, it's 5 to 10 milligrams. So when you're seeing a 200 milligram cupcake, that's astonishing even for veteran users. And, and to me, like that's another wave as well is how strong is, is some of this material that's going out there and do people know?
2: Absolutely. There was a, a, a table where I spoke to uh, two gentlemen that were selling gummy bears and I asked them about the procedure for making them and how they could be certain that each gummy bear had a certain dosage in it. Uh, and they told me that they, they're they're injecting uh, the THC into whatever product makes the gummies uh, and that they're doing it one by one in, in these molds uh, and that's how they make sure. But uh, there's no industry standard as far as I know uh, for how to produce these products Um, and as far as I know the federal government uh, at this point doesn't have any testing set up for how to determine what how much THC is in these products so uh, that's a a part of the regulation that uh, is definitely going people are going to have to look at because uh, as I understand it it is very easy to consume too much marijuana in these edible products.
0: And it's interesting because a lot of reporters will cover the same topic again and again and that's why we get assigned these topics because we develop a little bit of a specialty or at least a familiarity with these topics but around marijuana there are so many changes uh, edibles for example um and then when we've got legalization around the corner we really have to be on top of those changes and sometimes it's hard to keep track because every time 420 rolls around it's something different and then it's something else we have to know and get on top of um because that's going to be the next big story not just for one day but potentially for months or even years
2: yeah we absolutely do and next year uh I think the event will be much different as well because it's going to take place uh, under a completely different set of federal laws and regulations. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that impacts the the type of people who are involved. Um, I, one thing that we didn't see this year is a, a licensed practitioner, or licensed producers, pardon me, uh, from the that, that are licensed to grow marijuana by the government. Uh, they haven't taken part. Uh, I, next year, if the v- event remains unsanctioned, I don't see them taking part. Uh, but you look south of the border to Seattle, they have a three-day hemp fest. Um, and uh, there seem to be a, l- a lot of companies taking part in that uh, that are also in on the, the legalization market, uh, the legalized market in Washington state. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this event unfolds uh, next year and, and years following. Uh, and of course, the, the big question is about the location, because there, there seem to be a lot of issues with where it's currently being held.
0: And that issue is not going to go away because uh, organizers plan to stay there. The city doesn't want them there. We've now learned that there's actually quite a bit of damage. So yeah, next year there's there's always drama around this event. There's always drama.
2: No question. It's a divisive issue in the city, uh, but it's an event that I really like to cover because there is such a multitude of opinions and uh, the people involved, uh, both those that are attending the event uh, for their enjoyment or their business, uh, and those who have an opinion about whether or not it should be taking place there, uh, come from really diverse walks of life. Uh, so it's a It's an issue that touches on everybody that lives in our city, and it's interesting to hear the diversity of opinions.
0: Sean, Ben, thank you so much for being here.
1: My pleasure.
2: In the end there's a really good chill easy vibe and you can kind of feel that when you enter
1: i like to add that like you know the worst thing that going to happen are that people are going to get munchies
0: <laughs> I also want to thank Adam Lee for his support with Archival Audio this week and thank you for joining us on BTS with CTV is there a topic you'd like us to cover on a future podcast email me at bts at ctv.ca and if you like what you heard please subscribe for more insights tidbits and the stories behind the stories I'm Penny Daffloss